Welcome to St. Pat's Chat, a brand new podcast from the seminarians at St. Patrick's Seminary in the Archdiocese of San Francisco. Some of the best and most honest discussions we've had about God and His Church were not in debates with rivals, but rather in chats with our friends. We hope that this podcast will be a chance for you to listen in on some of our conversations about God, His Church, and life as a seminarian. Hello listeners and welcome to St. Pat's Chat. My name is Joshua Leeson from the Diocese of Stockton, a pre-theology student which in second year of philosophy. Uh, and we're going to be- begin with a prayer before we get started. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Come Holy Spirit. Come Lord Jesus. Lord God, we thank you for this opportunity to come together to have a conversation um, about you and about what you've done for us. Um, We thank you for the gifts that you have given us, most especially yourself and your son at Christmas. We ask that you guide this conversation, that it may be to glorify you and to give you praise. Um, And we ask that everything that is talked about is, is once again under the guidance of your Holy Spirit, under the mantle of our Blessed Mother Mary. And we ask this all in the most precious name of Jesus. Amen. 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 In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. St. Joseph, pray, pray for, for us. us. Well, as you can tell, I am not by myself here. <laughs> I have some two good friends here. Uh, first of all, uh, well, let's just let you guys introduce yourself. So go ahead. All right. I am Jimmy Velasco. I am from the Archdiocese of San Francisco, and I am uh, in first year theology. And uh, I am Aiden Cameron Smith. I am from the Diocese of Oakland, just across the bay from Jimmy, and I am also in my first year of theology. Oh, wonderful. So you guys are far more experienced than me, and <laughs> we got a little Battle of the Bay going on today. we got the Oakland and San Francisco, but uh, it's not shouldn't be too bad, right? Uh, we'll, we'll see how the end of this conversation goes. We'll see. <laughs> wonderful. Well, we're, today we are going to be talking about Christmas. Uh, who doesn't like talking about Christmas, you know? The most wonderful time of the year, as they say. I don't know if you guys can agree, but uh, it's a pretty good time, huh? Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And what might be some, to get the conversation rolling, uh, what would be some kind of favorite traditions or ways that you guys like to celebrate uh, Christmas? Jimmy, what do you think? Yeah, right right at the top of my head, I just think about every year during Christmas, my family and I, we always go to to the midnight mass at our parish. And even now as a seminary and I, we serve at our cathedral during our midnight mass, and it's always just a really rich, beautiful, and vi- vibrant liturgy. Um, you could tell right, right as you walk in that, some, that there's clearly something different with this liturgy compared to other liturgies. Um, there's beautiful music. There's trumpets, which adds to the sol- solemnity of, the, of that day. Um, and yeah, that's something that I really look forward to every Christmas. And then besides some, some of the more... Uh, other traditions, customs, having a Christmas tree up, which is always a fun thing to do. Um, my family and I, we make a, a nativity scene. So every, every time we come home and every time we pass by, we always see our, our risen, our, sorry, not Easter yet, <laughs> our newborn <laughs> king uh, with, his, with his parents. Um, and a tradition, because I come from a Salvadorian family, tradition that we do is that we would go to our other family's homes and visit their nativity scene. So kind of like the Magi looking for Christ, we, we are going to adore Christ um, as well in, the, in different homes of our families. Yeah, and then um, even with food, something that we do, Salvadorians, you can ask any one of them. We, we always have tamales, which is always a big thing in our, in our family. And we, we have pupusas also, 
Uh, so that's definitely some something I always look forward to every year. No one goes away not uh, no one goes away hungry or not oh, happy. No. Yep, that's very true. <laughs> Wonderful. What about you, Aiden? Nice. Well, come Christmas Day, we usually uh, start off either uh, opening presents or going to mass, whichever uh, whatever the schedule is looking like on that day. Um, we have a lot of younger children in the family. At least there were, and maybe now we're kind of older. But um, usually we'll go on the day of, of Sunday um, or Christmas Eve before. Um, so we're well-rested. Usually yeah, there are kids jumping on people's beds, trying to get them up to go open presents. Um, but then uh, later in the morning, my mother uh, has what we call sticky buns in the uh, in the oven. And uh, I don't know what goes into them. They're sticky and gooey and warm and absolutely delicious. It's like this... Uh, um, this bread, this this loaf of bread that has uh, just brown sugar and cinnamon and just icing all over, and it's mm, so messy, absolutely messy. You can't open presents after eating this because your hands are sticky for about the next two hours. You have to keep licking them. But um, after that, it's usually a pretty quiet day. You know, dinner is pretty nice usually. Maybe we might have lamb because my father is from New Zealand, but it's usually pretty nice and a quiet day really. Um, the next day, December twenty sixth, we call uh, we call Boxing Day in my family. Um, where that comes from, I don't know. I think it's UK tradition, um, but we call it Boxing Day, and we usually go out somewhere. So we'll go out to an aquarium or to the Oakland Zoo. Oakland Zoo is a pretty popular one in the family. We just go out somewhere and hang out as family somewhere we might not usually go to uh, throughout the course of the year for whatever reason. Um, and then as the Christmas season progresses along. Um, we, you know, we keep Christ in mind and we, um, have various prayers throughout the, uh, uh throughout the weeks, but then come Epiphany, because uh, that's still in the Christmas season. Here comes Epiphany and we do this, um, great, uh, I think it's called a king's cake, but basically we remember the Magi and my mother puts, um, this bean into this, this cake that she makes. And if you're eating this cake and you get the bean, you become king for the day. You're like the Magi who found Christ. So you get to be king for the day, and you can do whatever you want. Everyone else has to do the dishes, but not you. So it's, 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 we, we have some fun with the Christmas season, that's for sure. Have you won before? I, you know, I have never won. Last year, though, last year, uh, nobody found the bean, but we know there was a bean in there. So we don't know what happened. Maybe someone <laughs> ate this baked bean. We have no clue. Maybe the dog ate it. Who knows? But uh, I was made honorary king because I had never been a king before. So honorary king, that's, that's good enough for Yeah, me. you can take that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Better than humble pie. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. That's wonderful. That's a cool tradition. I think there's a similar one for me. We called it bubble bread, like the sticky buns. We had bubble bread, so there's like these little balls of like of dough with with caramel and yeah, brown sugar and all butter and all that stuff. And we'd uh, you know open presents, and then afterwards we'd or it's also sometimes called monkey bread. Uh, so it's that was a little tradition that we've always had at home. And uh, yeah, there's uh, so much sweets and so much happiness and that kind of thing. Huh? <laughs> but going back to you guys' families, what uh, do you guys have siblings? What is your families, and where are you and your siblings, or what's your situation, Jimmy? Yeah, um, so I'm I'm one of two boys. I'm the youngest, and so I'm the baby in the house. And I, yeah, I just have an older brother. Uh, he's two years older than than me, so it's just just us four in the house. Do you like being the baby of the family? Sometimes, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's some advantages to it, but yeah, it's we have a I'm, we're very blessed. We have a good family. Oh, that's wonderful. What about you, Aiden? I am the eldest of four. So it's me, and then my sister, who's 18 and currently off at college. Um, then uh, my brother, who is 15, 
um, soon to be 16, um, already driving, which scares me <laughs> to high heavens. I don't know <laughs> what I'm going to do, but there he is. So, and then uh, I have a youngest sister who is currently 11. Um, and so it's a good time. So like I said, back in the day, lots of young kids in the house jumping on beds. I was, because I was the oldest, I, I was the more serious one and so wanted <laughs> to uh, not mess with them. I wanted to have my own friends. So, um, but that's my family and that's especially how we were back then and how I was. I was uh, definitely focused away from them at the time. But now that I'm a seminarian, um, I found that uh, those times of, of Christmas against the young children now that they're grown up, um, I've definitely found that uh, we connect even more so now during the Christmas season. That's a wonderful transition to kind of another thought that I was wanted to pose to you guys is how has it been different since being a seminarian? Um, how has Christmas been different? Uh, have you had other experiences? Like you, you mentioned Jimmy work, uh, serving at the cathedral or yeah. other opportunities. Has it been different? Have you been had to stay at the seminary? Or what, what was the situation like for Christmas now that you guys are a seminarian? Yeah, I'd say something that comes to mind is because we pray the liturgy of the hour so often that we're praying from the first volume of the liturgy of the hours. I guess for our listening audience, it's uh, the daily prayer the, of the church, which is what we as seminarians here at St. Patrick's pray every, every morning and evening. And it consists of psalms, a, sh- a short reading, um, intercessions. So as a seminarian, um, when, whenever I pray those uh, uh, on my own, especially before, before Christmas, the, I really like how beautiful that they are, that they really prepare you for the great solemnity of Christmas. So I found that, that that's really been something that me as a seminarian helps me to, to reflect more about Christmas, um, as the liturgy of the church prepares prepares you for this great solemnity, um, and what's normal what's normally on vid on solemnities is evening prayer one, which is kind of like a vigil, like a vigil mass uh, for like a Sunday. That's kind of like the church's way of praying before a solemnity or or a Sunday. So I really enjoy doing that a lot whenever it's evening prayer one before Christmas because that just kind of, kind of gets me excited, ready for, like what I said earlier, the midnight mass uh, and for the, the liturgy that's to come. It's that final moment of preparation, right? Yeah, I know. Yeah. Whether it's before the mass, I got to pray it in or whatever that, that may be, it's, it's, it's kind of exciting. Absolutely exciting. Is there any differences for you, Aiden? You know, not huge differences. I mean, Jim's experience is kind of similar to mine. Uh, I remember before being a seminarian, and Christmas was, yeah, the time for presents, the times for sticky buns, and everything that was uh, good and almost secular, if you will, about Christmas. Um, still good, but, but not necessarily Christ-centered. But it was when uh, I became a seminarian that not only Christmas took on a new light, but the whole season as a whole, and also the time leading up to it. So I don't know if you mentioned, but we're in Advent right now while mm-hmm. we're re- recording this. And Advent is uh, one of my favorite times along with the Christmas season, because you know Advent, uh, the liturgy that the church provides, the reading she gives us, the reflections we can have are so beautiful and so filled with hope for the coming of our Lord. It's almost like we're in the Old Testament, like waiting for our Lord to arrive, but we know what's coming. So it's like a great Christian hope. Like we know the Lord is coming, but he's not quite here yet, if you will, in a, in a kind of now kind of present way. And then here's Christmas, boom. And, and, and that has taken on a greater depth since I've become a seminarian. And it has started reflecting in my family, I found. So we will be 
praying more. The Liturgy of the Hours has become a big part of the family, especially during Christmas time. So I mean, we don't pray all seven hours, but you know, Office of Readings, maybe Compliment Days. So it, it's taken on an, a definitely a depth and a richness to it that is far more than the secular world might expect us to have. So you and your family pray together sometimes? Sometimes, yeah. We usually, during the whole year, we'll usually have some kind of a prayer at night with the family, just a little something. Usually my mom will take it from Compline, which is great. But we'll do all kinds of different things. And just during Christmas, of course, that has a whole meaning. And it has throughout the whole year. But during Christmas, it's got that that Christmas-centered meaning that the church has to offer for us. Um, and so, like I said, that just adds on to the great Christmas mystery that we encounter through the church, and it just flows into the family and from the family. And that's super beautiful. And dear listeners, just letting you know, anyone can pray the Liturgy of the Hours, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah. yeah. So it's a beautiful prayer. And if you've never heard of it or haven't looked into it before, or never prayed it, uh, yeah, we we would totally invite you. And anyone, any faithful is willing to uh, or is able to I'll pray it. So. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd say for anyone that wants the, is interested in praying the liturgy, the hours, iBreviary, it's really, it's an easy app for you to download online. It's free. Who doesn't like anything that's free? Um, just lays everything out for you really easily. So I definitely would recommend our listening audience check that out. And I read a book uh, by Timothy, Father Dim- Timothy Gallagher mm-hmm. called uh, How to Pray the Liturgy of the Hours. And it oh, there you go. takes you through it and shows how the lay faithful can absolutely pray this. Uh, and it's a beautiful prayer that the church has, just very scriptural, all those things. So mm-hmm. That's wonderful. Uh, what about this uh, season? How does it mean to you as a Christian? Um, just what is it? I mean, because you mentioned a little bit, Aiden, about, you know, this, this anticipation of Christ's coming. Um, so what does it mean to you over, just in a more of a broad sense, as a Christian, this season of Christmas? You know, my view of this stuff is I don't know, biased, if you will, by what I've learned in seminary, so it, it, it can't be separated. But, but, but liturgically, when the church gives us something like a season, like the Christmas season, it always has almost, almost three views that it looks at. It has like a past. There's a, there's a past to it, right? Christ did come. He was incarnate and had his nativity in time. But then uh, he's also here present now to us, and he's come again, and he's here. But then there's also a future look to it. So we're looking towards the future and saying, Christ will come again. Hallelujah. And, and so all of this um, ties into my Christian understanding of Christmas and that what I'm celebrating is both a memory of what's actually happened, that the king of the universe like, amazingly came into the fleshly body of a baby. And then... He's here now and present, and of course, as Catholics, we believe in the Blessed Sacrament. He's entirely present in Mass. We'll encounter him, but also just in the season as a whole, we come to discover him in a new light as that baby boy who's been born to the world and who will save all of humanity. Um, And so we have that. And then again, for me, it's that future look. It's a reminder, the Christmas season, that our Lord will come again and that it will be time of great rejoicing and things that are far greater than sticky buns and presents and everything that we have all said here we love about Christmas. It'll be far greater than all those times. Amen. Yeah, I can't agree anymore with all the all your comments, Aiden. And uh, I, I would say also that I, it wasn't until seminary where I kind of really got more of the meaning of Advent is also a way for us to reflect more on Christ's second coming. And 
it kind of it, Advent is also as is also a, a season for repentance, also for um, reconciliation. And I, for me, I went to Catholic school all my life, and usually Advent and Lent are the times where we would have confession available. So definitely, this this is a, t- a time where we kind of prepare ourselves. Yes, for December twenty fifth, the day of Christmas, and it would make makes us reflect also as some of our priests here at St. Patrick's have been telling us in their homilies, preparing for the second coming of Christ, because that is going to be a reality that we as Catholics profess every Sunday, that he will come again. Uh, as scary as that may be, we, like what Aiden said, we shouldn't be scared because we know he's, going, he's already conquered death and he will, he will reign in glory forever as our king. And some, something that I really enjoy particularly about the Advent season is the the Marian aspect to it. So December 8th and December 12th in the liturgical calendar where we have the Immaculate Conception, the solemnity of that, and Our Lady Guadalupe on December 12th. So having these little these Marian feasts in between this Advent season kind of gives us an emphasis about Our Lady and about her fiat, which uh, for our listening audience who may not be Latin scholars, that's means to be done, uh, fiat. Um, that's what we would say. Um, that's what the, the liturgy uh translates it as Mary's yes, as we would say, kind of gives us that emphasis reflecting on these great Marian mysteries and our, our Lady Guadalupe and her presence um, for Mexico, her influence for those people there. Um, and so it's, it's just amazing how the, the church draws us into more deeper into our Blessed Mother and in closer to, to the incarnation that we, which we celebrate. The church's wisdom is so <laughs> profound, right? Oh, definitely. Absolutely. It it leads to so much, like even at the end of the liturgical season, like we just finished, like going into Advent, we began the new church year. So happy new year, you guys. See you too. <laughs> Thank you. But but just like this wisdom of, because always at the end of a church liturgical year, there's talks of, you know, the in Revelation, the you know, apocalyptic, you know, writings. Uh, of scripture and also talking about the end end times even, um, but it's almost a, it's a preparation because this end of the liturgical year is supposed to be like analogous of the end of the the, the, the world, um, but with the promise of Christ coming. Because then then what's next after the, the the beginning of the new church year, Advent, which is preparing for Christmas, the time um, of Jesus's uh, coming into the earth. So great great points. Even more specifically though. How has this season meant to you in your vocation? Has it led you deeper into this mystery? As you said, Aiden, also kind of what you've learned in your theology classes. Um, has, it, has this idea of the Word becoming flesh um, had any impact on you guys' vocation, a discerning uh, priesthood? Yeah, I'd say um, for me, Aiden and I, we're, we're taking with Dr. Herman a scripture class. And what we've been learning throughout this whole semester as we're nearing our final is uh, the Israelites, there, is, there was never a perfect king. There, there have been kings in throughout the whole salvation history that have been close to fulfilling God's ultimate plan. But there is all the kings in their, their sinfulness have never been really stu- stood up for their, uh, their given mission until Christ. He is the one, the Word made flesh. He is the one who perfects God's ultimate plan to save us and to set us free. So in terms of my vocation, it helps me in my, my prayer to know that I will give my, my life to, to this king who, who is calling me to serve as, as a priest, if that, that be his will. And 
as we were kind of reflecting on earlier in our conversation, that this king in his lowliness comes to us as a, as a human child, as a baby. And all in his simplicity and in all of his littleness, he just comes to us uh, small, fragile as he is to give his, his life for us. So in that same way, as, as future priests, we give ourselves to our, to our people, to our parishes, to, to the diocese that we'll, we'll be serving. And so coming into this season makes me reflect more on how the Lord makes, makes himself as little as he can for us out of great love. So in my, my desire as a priest, I want to give, my, give as much of my time, much of my energy to my people and giving them the Eucharist and offering the sacraments as the Lord does. And, and he's, he's just there ready, waiting for us to adore him and, and all his, in his littleness and, and his love. You know, I, I, I can't agree with Jimmy more when he said that, especially the condescension of our Lord at the incarnation and in his nativity, that the, you know, we just had the king of the universe, the great solemnity, as I think you mentioned, Josh. And now suddenly here he is becoming just a little baby boy, for the most part in his mother's womb. And then, of course, he'll be born and he'll start growing. But like even now, as in the Advent season, he is in his mother's womb. That is such a condescension for the king of the universe. Can you imagine what king, name one other human king who would do that, who would so lower himself? Only those who truly follow Christ do something like that because Christ did it, did it first. And like Jimmy said, we have all of these examples of kings in the Old Testament who were held up to such a high standard and were great kings, certainly King David, King Solomon. But ultimately, they all fell short because they're missing, ultimately, the love and the divinity of our Lord. And so, for me, in my vocation, that I'm following this king who would so lower himself into a baby, into the bread and wine, so that he would turn into his body and blood, like, this is the man that I'm following. And so that's huge in just orienting my position with regard to the priesthood, that it's not it's dignified to be sure the priesthood is dignified but it also requires a great sacrifice and a great humbling of oneself so that as as far as like like how i see that affecting my vocation that's what i reflect on during this time is that humbling of christ and thus the humbling that i need to make that is such a beautiful reflection on this humility of christ and how that can lead in our priestly vocation if you know god's calling us there and even how, when we look at Christ's omnipotence and his, you know, this, 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 this seeing him as the divine that he is, uh, that almost gives a greater perspective. Because if we only look at him um, as, in his human form, then as human uh, person, uh, then, uh, or to, human nature, excuse me, uh, then you, you kind of can miss out on the, the immensity of that humility that he had to, the, the all-powerful God becoming in human form, it's just truly amazing. <laughs> Definitely. It's uncomprehendable. Yeah, I, I, w- I would say, too, the whole of the Old Testament leads up to the New Testament. That's, that's just kind of how, how the Scripture is working. Old Testament leads up to New Testament. And what we see is almost an Advent season in the Old Testament where the whole of creation hopes for the coming of its savior and its king and his entry into the world. 
and into creation. And so the whole of the Old Testament is leading up to that. And then here we have the New Testament started off with the Gospels, and we hear about that Savior who has come, and that's the, you know, I guess the Christmas of the Scriptures, if you want, but that we're in the Advent season here as, as we're going through this, and then moving forward, you can see the great hope that people have in the Old Testament for the coming of their King and their uh, and their Messiah, and again, as you said, for vocation, for me, to almost be that sign of hope that there's so much more out there than the world has to offer, that, that if you look for something in the world, you'll only find uh, disorder and you'll never find peace. But in Christianity and ultimately uh, in the sacraments and in the priesthood and in my future priesthood, God willing, um, that that hope for a blessed life and for the fulfillment of all desires can be, can be found, just like how the Jews would have experienced it at the nativity of our Lord and as we see throughout the Gospels. I'd like to pivot the conversation. These are great things. Um, continuing along with the incarnation and this mystery, I, I pulled uh, three little sections from the catechism on the incarnation. Um, and I want to see which, um, it says the word became flesh so that blank. And there's three different things. And I'm trying to see what you guys think is maybe the one that most speaks to you guys. And maybe you can speak a little bit about that. Okay. The first one, and this is in sections 458 to 460 of the Catechism of the Catholic Church. So the first one, the word became flesh so that thus we might know God's love. Number one, 459, the word became flesh to be our model of holiness. And number three, 460, the word became flesh to make us partakers of the divine nature. Have a favorite? Yeah, I think that that last one was really, really beautiful. I think the church really gets at it really well so that we could be divine, be partakers of the divine life. And all of Christianity in our, in our faith, the whole goal is that we live with, with the Lord eternally, that our, our life will ultimately be in the being of God. So him coming in in his coming, taking on human nature shows that that's possible, shows that um, we can live in the divine life, live in, the, in God's being. So definitely that, that last one is really beautiful. Aiden, do you want me to refresh you? All right, here we go. Here we go. Here's the three again. The word became flesh that, it, that thus we might know God's love, to know God's love. Number two, to be our model of holiness. And number three, to make us partakers of the divine nature. You know, I might have a professor coming and rapping on my door later. I don't know if this is going to be like super offensive. I don't know. But it seems like all three of those ultimately are one and the same thing. That God coming for love and to bring us to holiness and to unite us to himself. They're all ultimately the same, the same exact life. And, you know, there, yeah, three aspects that we can look at, you know, three different, I guess, perspectives you can take. But ultimately, the holy life is the life of love, and the life in, in God is the life of love. And so all three of those beautifully interplay and integrate into each other. And, and, and it, it's, I, I love that the catechism put it this way, because, yeah, there's three different parts, but I kind of like all of them exactly the same, I guess, for that way, just because from my perspective, yeah, they're all the same thing. It's all the love of Christ and the love for Christ and his people. 
If I had to guess what your professors would say, I would say that they would they'd give a thumbs up to that. <laughs> okay, thank goodness, thank goodness. <laughs> we'll see, but yeah. <laughs> we're in the same classes, so I know who they would be. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you can let me know, Jimmy, what they say. <laughs> um, which actually, I think you kind of. I have one more uh, quote from the Catechism in 483 that speaks to exactly what you're talking about, Aiden. It says, The incarnation is the mystery of the wonderful union of the divine and the human natures in the one person of the word. Man, that could take about 2,000 years to unpack all of that, and it, <laughs> I think it did. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's absolutely beautiful, I think, put it that way. And we're still going. We're still unpacking it. Oh, we're, we're still quite underway. <laughs> definitely, yeah, definitely. That's what our theology and you know, pre-theology, all, all, time in seminary is all about, right? <laughs> there you go. Let's just scratch the surface here. <laughs> Wonderful. So before we close today, I uh, wanted to uh, give a couple saint quotes. So about the incarnation, and also, uh, once again, to kind of get your guys' thoughts um, as we wrap up this episode. So the first one is from St. Clair of Assisi. Uh, She says, Rejoice and be glad that so great and good a Lord, on coming into the virgin's womb, willed to appear despised, needy, and poor in this world, so that men who were in dire poverty and suffering great need of heavenly food might be made rich in him. That's easily a mic drop quote right there. The saints really aimed it, got it, got it really good. I know you I know that's not not much more you can say. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I definitely could not do much better than St. Clair in that one. All right. Yeah, that kind of, that quote kind of reminds me of what we were also kind of discussing in uh Dr. Harriman's class that the the name Bethlehem literally means house of bread. So the Lord to come into Bethlehem uh, is already in the in his birth in his infancy, sorry foreshadowing him being the bread of life. And and him being in in the manger where the animals would feed on get on feed on the hay. Again, the Lord is already showing that even at his birth he is continuing to do that, which is so amazing. And once again, showing the condescension that he has for us. I was also going to say, it, it's so beautiful that, you know, at the Annunciation, when Christ came into the virgin's womb, you know, he asked her permission. Like, he wanted her to be a full participant in his saving work and in lifting these men out of poverty and everyone who needed him. He wanted her to be an active part in that. Um, and so I think, as I said, kind of near the beginning, like, Christmas and liturgical seasons have kind of three parts. There's a past, there's a present, and a future. Um, in this sense, you know, Christ is coming into our lives now. But, you know, for all of us, each of us, and everyone in this room and at the seminary and who's listening to this, he is inviting each of us to say yes to that. So Mary said, fiat, let it be done according to your word. And so really... Angel Gabriel is kind of asking that to all of us as well. You know, he's not saying, are you going to become pregnant with our Lord? But he's saying, in a way, are you going to become spiritually pregnant with, with him? Like, are we willing to say yes and give our whole lives to our Lord so that he might do such great good and bring his light through us? Yeah, that's, that's just phenomenal. I mean, it's just, it, it's hard to wrap your mind around it, really. But there is an invitation there for sure for each and every one of us. The last quote for you guys. You ready? Right. Let's go. Let's hear it. All righty. St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta. It is Christmas every time you let God love others through you. 
Amen. That's all I could say. I mean, I say amen to that as well. Absolutely. And I say it's also wonderful because it emphasizes that it's not us who are doing these good works. Yeah, it's us when it looks like it. But if we let God work through us, it's not just a human action that we're taking because God is human through Christ. But um, it's ultimately God himself as the divine who sees everything and all, all these things has his great power. It's him beautifully working with us in communion with us, together with us, just as Adam was at the beginning of creation, naming all the animals and caring for the garden. Like it's 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 God not just saying, I'll go do it all on your own, but I'm gonna be here with you until the end of time and working through you, yeah, to bring out of sin and out of slavery and out of poverty all of my children. And so that's 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 why I love her so much as, as Mother Teresa. She absolutely understood that that it was her working yes but it was god working through her and because of that because of her love for him all of these beautiful things that the whole world admires her for all of these things were able to be done and what a great privilege that is and as christians as adopted children of god we're able to uh participate with god and do miracles do wonderful things for his glory um Wonderful, wonderful, awesome conversation, you guys. This was this has been a blast. I would ask Jimmy, do you mind closing us off in a prayer? Yeah, absolutely. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we praise you and give you honor and glory for allowing us to have this conversation. Please bless us. Please bless our listeners and those that will be hearing, hearing us in this conversation. Please bless us as we prepare for Christmas and as we ultimately await your second coming. And we ask ask you to continue to guide us to be with us in all that we do glory be to the father and to the son and to the holy spirit as it was was in the beginning beginning, is now now, and ever shall be world without end amen saint patrick pray for us in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit amen Amen. well thank you guys once again jimmy aiden it's been a pleasure uh to all our listeners thank you very much for listening it's been a pleasure to serve you as well, and hope you guys have a very Merry Christmas and Christmas season and a continuing for our, our new liturgical year. So Happy New Year to you all, and thank you guys once again. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Josh. God bless. You have been listening to St. Pat's Chat. Thank you for joining us today. Our podcast is produced and recorded by seminarians here at St. Patrick's Seminary and University in Menlo Park, California. You and your friends can check out our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever podcasts can be found. If you want to know more about St. Patrick's Seminary or St. Pat's Chat, please check out our website, stpsu.edu. Until next time, remember that some of the most honest discussions about God and His Church are not found in debates with rivals, but rather in chats with friends.